miserable people. You don't have to be miserable no longer. We, the Hollywood Heels, are back. Yes, we are. And we are back for a day one episode of Monday Night Raw. Kind of a banger in a sense, but a nice little refresh to what we got going on. Happy holidays, sir. How you been? Oh, man, living the dream as always, you know, down since day one-ish, as they used to say, you know, so we back, you know, let there be no more misery since we have returned. How are you doing, man? How the how the holidays treat you? Uh, you know, I can't complain. I, I somehow have uh, managed to lose weight over the holidays, you know, uh, so I count that as a win, man. I'm sure most people would. So, yeah, the the secret is it's the booze, dude. That's what fucking kills you, man. Like you drink your calories, next thing you know, I you know, I'm just not going to refer to any people. I was going to say you look like blank, but then I was like, you know what? Like a few names ran through my head and I was like, wait, I like a couple of those names. And then into the, to the other names, I'm like, oh, th- that's in a different company. Like, you know what? I'm just not going to touch that one. Yeah, long, long list we could go down there, but <laughs> I'm sure we're all pretty familiar with, with a few of those individuals. Yes, we are. So really... Day one, there were there were a couple of fun moments, but let's get to the funnest one. We had the fucking troll job of the year so far, three days into the year. Um, so a little little backstory on this. You know, we had the teases, Triple H saying on uh, on X that, you know, a former world champion's going to return. And so there have been a lot of rumors lately about, like, people returning to the company. I, I think a lot of people at first were thinking possibly Sasha Banks. But then, you know, we had all the reports that, uh, you know, those talks fell apart as soon as she started asking for more money than Charlotte Flair. I love Sasha Banks. You don't get more money than Charlotte Flair. I'm sorry. Like, I just don't see how that would work. That probably just wouldn't be good for the company. And if she somehow gets more money than Charlotte from Tony Khan, fucking more power to her, man. Like, congratulations. But I just don't see how that's going to happen in the WWE. So it wasn't going to be her. Now we got the rumors of Andrade coming back. And I'm like... But he wasn't world champion, was he? Like maybe, maybe he was like NXT champion or something. So I was like, all right, that doesn't that doesn't really make sense. And then I was talking to a, a mutual friend of ours who like still dabbles in WWE, longtime wrestling fan. He, he prefers AEW these days, but we'll tune in for the big stuff and the PLEs and whatnot. So we were like jokingly throwing out names back and forth of who it could be, right? Like we're saying, oh, Vince McMahon or, you know, and and literally the last name that I threw out as pure jest was like, dude, it's going to be the modern day Maharaja, Jinder Mahal. Who is it? It is the modern day Ra- Maharaja, Jinder Mahal. And I was like, you fucking troll, Triple H. You fucking troll. So he goes on, he talks about a whole bunch of bullshit. Honestly, none of it fucking matters. He makes it like this US thing, whatever. Literally, none of it matters. Because 
If you smell, we get trolled again when the rock, Rocky Maivea, comes out to tell him to know his role and shut his mouth. Dude, how did how did you handle this roller coaster of emotions? Dude, like Again, you phrased the modern day Maharaja part perfectly. It's like, what the hell are they talking about? And then it's like, I had no clue what that guy said at all. The only reason I know maybe what he said is because The Rock was like, oh, you want to talk this shit? And I was like, oh, he said that? I was like, damn, you know, fuck this guy then, right? I was like, you got me already. 100%, man, super hype. I, you know, this was spoiled. I did did not watch it, you know, live to obviously something like this. Like, you're not going to not hear about it in- instantaneously. But nevertheless, I had no clue that he was coming back. And I mean... We'll we'll talk about some of the zingers that he had throughout, you know, his entire little promo here, which he just kind of spent mainly having fun, really had no purpose. It was just the rock being the rock. It was just so much the rock being the rock that when he got into the last line for the biggest impact of the evening, in my opinion, which God, like it's crazy, right? He is just talking with the crowd and the crowd just so hyped. They're down with everything that he's saying. He's asking them where I should go out to eat. You know, should I sit in a booth? Should I sit in a bar? And they're getting hyped like, yeah, yeah, go to a bar, go to a bar. They, It doesn't seem as if they know where he's going with it. And then he's like, or should I sit at the head of the table? And then the crowd goes wild. And I feel like there was genuine surprise for a lot of people who didn't necessarily catch on. So it made it even bigger of a pop. But holy shit, like, are we finally going to get Rock and Roman? But, you know, then, then Cody, I don't know. It's going to be... Yeah. Uh, so, so like, first off, I agree. Like, yeah, I, I, I watched the whole segment, blah, blah, blah. I, nothing else that he said mattered. We had the fun stuff. We had the chance. He poked fun at himself for his dumb fucking movies and whatnot. Whatever. None of it fucking mattered. Jinder Mahal did not fucking matter. As far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time on a microphone in a WWE setting the Rock has acknowledged the existence of Roman Reigns in the bloodline. He's he's done stuff with Roman before, but before the bloodline, right? Like, this has to be the first time it's happened. Yeah, the closest quote-unquote bloodline stuff, and it wasn't necessarily in a WWE setting, but I don't know if you've, if anybody or if you've seen the Young Rock TV show. Yeah, yeah. A- like that, there's a clip that's been floating around from one of the prior seasons when a young Roman came over and he's messing with The Rock, who was like, I don't know, probably in his college years. And he's like, one day it's going to be me and you at WrestleMania. And he's like, oh, maybe one day. And then like it's like Jim from The Office. He kind of like stops and looks to the camera or something like that. So a little tongue in cheek there. But that's the only in my in my perspective. And I believe that was out right around the early stages of the bloodline, like when he was be- still beating on Jimmy and Jay. Well, and it, and it's actually like the, the lines are even more pertinent than that. Because if I recall, it's something along the lines of like Romans needling rock for a fight. And he's like, no, 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 a fight that big can only happen at WrestleMania. So like, it's even yeah. more like predicting the future. I mean, these two were always destined to meet. So really that, that's what we have to talk about here is, are we going to have Rock Roman WrestleMania main event? And I think the answer is fucking yes. 
Yep. And but see, here's the thing. I've seen a lot of people going around saying, "Oh, poor Cody. I guess he's not finishing the story." This I disagree, dude. Like there are ways to handle this. I think if anybody got fucked out of this, it's probably CM Punk because I think that this leaves a door open for Roman Reigns to main event both nights of WrestleMania. Maybe, maybe. Um I some of the things I've seen on the internet as well. One thing that I I guess kind of liked the most was the rock and Roman being a non-title match and then, um, having Cody and Randy fighting for the big belt and Cody taking it off Randy to finish his story. I feel like it's not as good, but I don't know what beef he really has with Roman besides he lost to him other than, you know, he's got a lot more history with Randy and it's all about just winning the belt doesn't really matter off who and then we can keep punk in that seth rollins heavyweight scene i don't know somebody is going to get bumped out of a main event spot i don't know they're going to call something a co-main event right but no fucking way like you're the main event if you're not actually on last right so if if i was booking it how i would handle it is i would actually have roman cody night one I'd have Cody win the belt. And then on night two, I'd have Rock Roman for control of the family slash tribal chief and Roman lose again. Because imagine how devastating that would be. We all know that once Roman drops the belt, he's going to disappear for a while. But this would this would set the stage for the best like way for him to just vanish is like he's lost everything. He lost the belt, he lost the bloodline, he lost the family, and he needs to go on a fucking sabbatical and find himself. You know what I mean? So like to me, that would be the best way to tell the Roman Reigns story in this context. We get both of what we want. We get him dropping the belt to Cody. Cody finishes the story. We get him rock. We can have rock beat him because that's the thing is like if you do have rock Roman at WrestleMania, I'm sorry, but there's no way that you have rock beat Roman to take the belt. So if the belt's off the line, then you can let rock beat Roman does it suck that he takes L's on back-to-back nights? Yeah. But the dude is, is, is has the, the title for 1,200 fucking days or whatever by the time WrestleMania comes around. It, it, he can take L's on back-to-back nights, and I'm pretty sure mentally he'll be all right. I, I love that idea. Um, I think that'd be great as well, double, double main event. And I feel like you can slide and put CM Punk and Seth Rollins in one of the actual main event slots called a co-main event if you want, but you know, don't, they, they shouldn't, Roman shouldn't be in the last slot both nights. We shouldn't do all that now. Um, even, I mean, even if it is the rock, I don't know. They both do feel pretty monumental, but my question is we get, you know, the rock situated. Does he reunite? The bloodline, he just he's just ahead of the table, Roman's gone, and then the rock's gone. And then you know, Cody just wins the belt and he's just on SmackDown now. So where do we uh and then what we're having Punk, I guess, win at Mania. So we're leading it with Cody and Punk. 
I feel like. Well, well, I think where you can go from there is like you can still have Rock make a couple appearances here and there, and then have Rock lose to Solo at SummerSlam. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, as long as long as we're getting Solo to spike the Rock, I'm 100 percent in on that. Yeah, because then then that that closes the Rock's arc in his involvement here. Then Solo can still be the tribal heir. And at that point, I guess he would be the tribal chief. And uh, and at that, you know, it also leaves the door that there's some bloodline for Roman to come back to in a year and a half when he resurfaces. Yeah, I, I want to see it turn into like Roman comes back. Solo's got to have a new crew. He's still got to be a Paul Heyman guy, but he's got to have a new crew, right? Like, is he going to get Braun Breaker and like authors of pain. Like they, they shouldn't go to Karrion Cross. They should go to him. Right. But he needs a new bloodline, a new crew. So that way, like when Roman comes back, he's like, I'm back. I'm going to take my spot back. And then Solo's like, uh, no, you're a disgrace to the family. And then they all beat him down. And then Roman's got to go crawl back to his cousins. And then they reunite the bloodline. But instead of, red this time they were blue this time in their their faces <laughs> so there you go <laughs> yeah and at that point jimmy and jay will have made up you know and maybe maybe they help help roman get control of everything again i don't know i mean there's like infinite possibilities and twists and turns that they can have from here but like i don't know i really like that arc um i i think it would be super fun i guess you could get away with the roman rock being the the penultimate match in night two and having Seth CM Punk be the final match and like you say call it co-main events but really it, it would be Seth and Punk because you know Punk's still going to be a wild ass draw Seth is you know going to be a wild ass draw and then Roman and Cody had their moment already on night one um but if if that like if they make those three matches happen and then they also add Rhea Becky, which we get, I think, a very clear path to that on this episode. Um, yeah. We, we're looking at one of the best WrestleManias in a long time. If we get Sasha back, we will likely, see, in my opinion, I think we should see a boss and hug connection versus the kabuki warriors that would be an insane wrestlemania match i just don't think we're gonna get sasha back i think what's gonna happen there oh, yeah. is i i think that becky's gonna win the rumble and becky's gonna get a match against Rhea. bailey's yep. gonna win the elimination chamber she's gonna get a match against eo i guess the big wild card is you know jade cargill still exists Contrary to what most of our memories tell us, uh, she did sign with WWE and, and you know, will wrestle at some point, I guess. <laughs> um, so there's that. But, like, yeah, you, you know, you get Becky Rhea, Bailey EO. Dude, that would be such a wild-ass card. Yeah, and at this point with Jade, honestly, if I don't even think they should debut her at Mania. Maybe, but I don't really think so because what I think should happen is she should win money in the bank. She should be like a surprise entrance, like, oh, we have six women 
but we only know five and the the last one is a mystery and they're like oh who could it be who could it be and then she comes out and she fucking just throws all these women around because she's big as hell and then she wins the fucking briefcase and now she's I don't even know what she'd call herself, Jade in the Bank or Miss Money. I don't know. She's going to come up with some nickname that they can market. And that'd be a, a great way. She doesn't have to wrestle. You know, she can just kind of mill about. And then when she does wrestle, you know, it's just a squash match. Yeah, I actually like that a lot. I, I really would love to see her. Because the, they've been very quiet about her. So to me, like the more quiet they get about her, the more likely it is that her, her debut is coming. So I honestly, I love the Money in the Bank, but I would not be shocked if she does debut at Royal Rumble because now we're getting so quiet to the point where they're just going to drop it on you. Yeah, I agree. Because um, it's like they always struggle with even finding women to uh, be in the Rumble, to be honest. And there's still... I, I, I really, really at this point don't think Sasha is going to end up in WWE. You know, there's still talks of Julia. Um, you just had the other girl, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this later in the week. So we already know that uh, Deanna or whatever her name is um, just debuted, not debuted, but, you know, is now all elite. So she ain't coming. And then there was, oh, there was somebody else. I forget. There's another uh, uh, big time indie female that WWE has their sights on, and I I forget her name. But it, there there's a lot of possibilities there for the Rumble. Um, I I mean at this point, half of the fucking NXT stable is gonna probably end up in it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, let Let's jump into that Becky Nia match. Um, I'll let you go through the match, but like I honestly loved the match in in every context of I thought it was a fun match, and I loved like the result and the cadence of it because I felt story purpose wise like this is brilliant. Yes, I I thought this was very fun, very well done. Great women's match, especially for like a first time ever match, like a legit first time ever match. They've never been in the ring together, quote unquote, right? Like in a one-on-one match. So yeah, like they did re- they worked really well together. Started off the show. Um I love how like right at the start of the match Becky comes out hot and she's trying to hit a Beck Sploder or the manhandle slam just early in the match like oh like Becky you're not gonna pick this chick up like you gotta stand on your tippy toes just to put your arm around her throat so like stop and then uh they're fighting they end up outside Nia ends up punching the post uh you know she tries to do one of those classic barricade spots but uh Becky dodges it out the way she try you know Becky she gets a top leg uh, top rope leg drop. She gets to disarm her. Nothing's working. They get up to the second rope and looks like she's going to hit the second rope manhandle slam. And they're like, oh shit. Nope. She gets picked up and fucking Samoan drop from the second rope. And it looked nasty. Like there was no no bounce. It looked like, like Naya kind of had her lower to the center of her back. So there was no, like she didn't, she kind of fell between the mat and Naya instead of just kind of on her own didn't look good 
Um, but then Nia tried to go up top. Becky pushed her off, and now she's kind of caught in the ropes. Becky's trying to go back up top, hit another leg drop, guillotine through the ropes, and as she jumps off, Nia just turns her head, one hitter quitter, drops the big knockout punch in Becky's face, drags her to the corner, annihilator. One, two, three. Nia Jax has squashed Becky Lynch. And I it makes sense for where the story and everything goes. So I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, and it was it was so poetic too, because I, we get another iconic. Nia Jack busts open Becky's face. You know, uh, Becky's mouth was bleeding pretty heavily. Uh, this was not a work. That was legitimate. She was bleeding. And I I don't know. I, I haven't read confirmations of whether that was planned in the fight or not. But regardless, whether it was or was, I actually kind of pref- would prefer if it wasn't because, like I said, it would be so fucking poetic if that shit happened again. I did read that, uh, you know, Becky was supposedly in very good spirits after the match and whatnot. So, you know, my my gut says it probably was planned because, I, I don't know, I would probably be pissed if it happened accidentally. But um, we get another iconic shot of that. And... This this sets it up perfectly for Nia to go after Rhea. I, d- I don't think that they're going to continue this, at least not right now. And then it gives Becky this kind of like little bit of a redemption arc where she gets to go after uh, Rhea afterwards. And this gives Nia a path to fight Rhea most likely at the Rumble, which would in theory probably take Nia out of the Rumble which is probably a, a decent thing because, I mean, we're tired of seeing the same old tired routine of where, like, eight women have to put her over the rope. Like, let's be honest here. Um, and, it, and it just opens up the, the way for Becky to win it. 100% nail on the head. Um, it, it's all going to be perfect. And just like Naya was saying, um, you know, I was going to insert myself into the Royal Rumble match. She's going to come out and be like, you know what? I don't even think I have to earn a championship match. I think after that performance, I've already earned it. And speaking of which, she she did a callback to a classic Nia Jax meme when she like falls on her butt on the apron and she's like, I broke my hole or something like that. <laughs> she did the same the same thing. She didn't say, you know, my hole. She didn't yell that, but she landed the same way on the apron and she said, Oh no, like in the same <laughs> Face and mannerisms, if you if you're referencing like that same meme, so she knew what she was doing. That's bonus points in the in the Henron book. Oh, I love when shit like that happens. All right, so we're we're all about this, where it's headed. You know what I'm not all about? Cody Rhodes and Shinsuke Nakamura, dude. Like we got we got a little bit of a segment here and fucking whatever. Like again, nothing really was relevant. In what was said here, other than the fact that Cody's like, yeah, this should be over. And I'm like, yo, I fucking agree, Cody Rhodes. This should indeed be over. But apparently it's not. Apparently we're dragging this out more. I just don't feel like I need any more of it. 
Yes, you need to read the story of which I am writing the book of yours that I am composing your life, which is my design. <laughs> this is Shitsuke. He's going crazy, bro. He's literally on the shit, bro. Like, and then they put in all who is who's drawing this? Who's sitting backstage? Like, what animator did they hire to fucking design all this crazy ass fucking acid trip shit that they got playing as Shinsuke's reading his uh the nightmare before Christmas or whatever the hell it was called, the the American nightmare before Christmas. I don't know, right? But God, yeah, he just wants you to finish his book, all right? Because Cody, Cody can't finish it, so Shinsuke wrote a book, and he just wants to share, all right? You could get it on www.shop.com, so. Yeah, or you could probably also buy uh, Becky Lynch's book that she shamelessly plugs every single time she has a microphone in her hand. Um, is it even yeah. out yet? I'm pretty sure it is. You know, it, I, I'm not like, I, I am a, a reader, but I usually read fiction, but... I actually, you know, might actually be interested in the Becky book. I feel like it could be interesting. I own two books that, like, I've recently bought. And they are Killing the Business by the Young Bucks and Juicy J Chronicles of the Juice Men. And I've yet to read either one of them. So that's my current life. I mean, it sounds like maybe your boy Velveteen Dream might be coming out with a book here soon. Man, I'm s I don't know. I don't know what the guy did, right? Like I, I he I don't know exactly what he did. It was probably super bad, right? I and I'm not down with it and I don't support it. So like, you know, I can't support the guy. But I I I did enjoy uh the character that was priorly in NXT. Do you see like his uh, his like wild ass apology that he posted? I saw that an apology video existed, but I I, I actually have no care in my body, so I was like, "There's it, I had no time to waste on that." Unfortunately, what did did he say? Something interesting? You know, it, in all honesty, it just sounded like a desperate cry for work. You know, like, "Hey, I'm gonna." I'm going to post this thing and like, but the weird thing, like, I, I, I'm not going to like assume anything or, you know, I, I don't know the full details on everything. I know that it was some pretty heinous shit that he was accused of. And I don't know if it was ever like confirmed or whatnot. So I, I'm not going to speculate there, but and I didn't watch all of it. I, I watched bits and pieces of it, but he more or less like never he he apologized. I think more for mostly being a distraction, and like drawing unwanted attention to WWE and all this shit and whatnot. And I'm like, but you're not actually apologizing for what you did if you did anything. So you know, I don't I don't think that's enough to get you work because also, you know, what you were accused of, if you apologize for it and acknowledge that you did it, then you're also kind of fucking done. So like, dude, just disappear quietly. Like, you know, it, it, it's been a long time now. You should have just accepted the silence and, and just moved on with your life. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I thought it was just a cry for help. So that he could get in good graces to find work again. The same shit that every wrestler who's been outed or canceled, they disappear and then they come back like supporting 
Christianity and the Brotherhood of Humanity. Like, like, what are you talking about, dude? That's not at all what you were talking about eight months ago. But I, bro. So is this you trying to write Chris Jericho's next plot line? It it could be. It could be, (laughs) dude. His, he's like, I don't get it. Because I get, like, I guess we don't necessarily have that I'm familiar or aware of offhand of like just super terrible events of him per se, like, you know, these other people who have been canceled, but like his wife should have been canceled. Like everybody in association with his wife should have been canceled. Well, I mean, realistically, when you have all your victims sign NDAs, then ain't none of it coming out. What's even going on? He said something like, I didn't sign an NDA, and then some lawyer was like, Exhibit A, and I was like, what the fuck? All right, so uh, I I don't know all of this. I know that part of what you're saying is like, he on, on the Brawl Out incident, you know, he's like, I didn't sign an NDA about it, so I can talk about it, you know, in reference to Tony saying he can't talk about it, Punk can't yeah. talk about it, everybody involved can't talk about it, and, and Jericho's like, I ain't involved. And then unrelated but pretty close in in uh chronology you know we've got this whole thing where uh, a guy on, on a podcast i don't even remember like the dude's name or the podcast i i i should i suppose uh pull this up and give it credit because i know that i said it in a uh in a friend of mine's chat, I'm going to kind of partly dig through this. Uh, Nick Houseman on the Rumors and Innuendo podcast uh, had basically uh, likened Chris Jericho to Harvey Weinstein um, in, in basically being like a, a sexual groomer predator type thing, right? And then, like, there were these rumors came out that uh, Kylie Ray had an encounter with him, and it was very much insinuated on what the character was, and it sounded like a very uh, ugly, disgusting type one. Um, and then now, then there were rumors come out like that she had Tony made her sign an NDA about it and all this bullshit, and like she never. Uh, said anything to acknowledge it but she like quote tweeted somebody talking about it and then put like a heart emoji on it um and then this was like literally the day before i think world's end um and uh yeah so i i don't know did you watch world's end sure didn't yeah, so basically there was that big eight-man tag match that Jericho was a part of, and like there were NDA chants, there were people holding NDA signs. Like anytime Jericho was in the ring or during his entrance, he was getting booed. Like it was getting pretty ugly. And then in the post-show presser, Tony was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and talk about accusations or anything, or you know." Tony just like brushed it aside and wouldn't wouldn't address the whole situation. Where like. Tons of people were calling for him to just straight up be pulled from the show. Um, again, I don't know what's real, what isn't at this point. All I know is like if that shit's true, it's absolutely fucking disgusting. I was, I've never really been a Jericho fan in general. Not that I'm rooting for any of this to be true, but um, I, I'm rooting for it not to be true because nobody should be victim to that. But uh, 
Yeah, that's the whole situation. Fucking crazy, man. Like, you just can't live life in this world anymore. You know what I'm saying? I just want to fucking chill and have a good time, and people out here are just fucking terrible. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, humanity has a very nice side and a very ugly side. And uh, unfortunately, they both do exist. Um, yeah, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about this really short match that we had that ended up with Vinci getting kind of fucked up, dude. Like, we had Kofi Kingston and, and Jey Uso against Imperium, which doesn't really exist anymore. Like, why can't we just end this shit? Because that's the road that we're heading down anyway. But yeah, it was a super short match. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is kind of stemming off of some Christmas beef. Kofi Claus got beat down by Imperium. The Yeet Master 3000 came out to save him, which led, you know, eventually into this tag match here from, you know, like a week or two ago. And it was, you know, not even a real match yet. Like it was just Imperium doing their thing of just beating down one guy in, in Imperium tag team fashion. And Kofi was about to make his comeback. Vinci went up to the second rope and was going to do a cross body, you know, like a turnaround cross body. And Kofi jumped and hit him with the drop kick midair. And we don't know if it's the kick because it did look like he caught him right in the jaw, you know, right, you know, up on the underside of the head. But he did hit the ground and his head kind of bounced off the ground too. But I mean, you see that shit. That's like that too is shit. Like you hit the ground, his arms are up you know, kind of stiff, and that's just never fucking good to see. The ref immediately didn't let anybody touch him, keeping everybody away from him. They got the doctor in there. Um, they threw the X up. They called the match, you know, and they're just kind of looking kind of confused, Kofi and Jay, as they took care of Vinci. And he walked out, you know, he was talking and moving. So that's good, but we hope that you know, nothing, nothing major. The only major thing I noticed in this entire match was Kofi decided to bring in the new year because it looked like he was wearing those uh, olive Travis Scott's. And as we discussed from those uh, satin black and reds that recently came out that only came in a max 10 and a half, we're going to assume that's Kofi's shoe size. And at that shoe size, those were uh, $1,300 pair of shoes if you got them on StockX and didn't weren't one of the lucky, you know, ten people to raffle them off. Yeah, uh, I I'd say Kofi's probably good for it. It's probably a write off, you know. It's ring gear, so you know. Yeah, high top ones too. I really like those. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like you said, the 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 main thing here is that Vinci's okay, and he did tweet out um, that he was fine. Uh, later in the night, he, you know, thanked everybody for a concern, said he's all right. I mean, dude probably, you know, got his bell wrong, probably concussion. And, you know, I, I just, I'm really glad that the series of events happened the way they did. You know, we saw the doctor run out there almost immediately and call the whole thing off. So, you know, it's really unfortunate to see this, but at the same time, it's also good to see how quickly they identified it and how quickly they addressed it. Um, you know, not 
like we we did have a situation where you know Rico got concussed in a match and was probably in there a little bit longer than he should have. It's it's hard to identify those things right away. You know what I mean? So it's it's good to see that it is in effect and it does work under some circumstances. You know, for sure, for sure. You know, you never want to see it happen, but it, it's at least like you mentioned, good to see that they're taking things more seriously. I feel like. There's been some small hints throughout the show of maybe regime changes because something that another small thing in regards to crowd chanting, The Rock did it, Seth Rollins did it. They kind of egged on a crowd chant like they were like, oh, they're, they're going to chant and they were about to talk, but then they stopped and they let them chant. And I feel like that happened twice. And yeah, the people chant and, you know, they'll pause. But you never deliberately see somebody stop talking and kind of put their finger up like, oh, yeah, I hear that small chant. Let's get that going. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking or overanalyzing to myself, but I feel like that was like some type of backstage notion. Like, you know, if you hear like a good chant, kind of give it a give it a moment of breath and let's, you know, have more organic things because I feel like that would be great. You know, I feel like there was a lot of crowd energy tonight, like a lot of crowd energy to on this episode. Oh, dude, there was, especially like, especially after we got the rock thing, man, that crowd was electric after that moment. Um, I'm also kind of starting to, again, I love Jey Uso. I love him in singles and I don't want to just keep sticking him in tag teams, but I kind of like this Kofi J tag. Yeah, I was gonna say like, are they like, where's Xavier, right? But are they gonna be be like the new, new day? Are they gonna be the the day day, the day one, the new one, the one day? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the the new day one or new one day, <laughs> day one new, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Oh my uh, god, I'm I'm for it though, and I, I would venture to guess that we'll probably get this match again, like the actual match um i'd be interested in seeing it yeah 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 yeah. i'd be very interested as well um i, I mean give me a, a trios match as well you know get gunther and xavier involved and you know it's, that'd be fun too i mean give me this goddamn trios belt like we need it we've got so many of these factions coming forth like you know we we definitely have the environment for trios belt i want it um what we also got is we got an episode of Ms. TV. We get Ms. coming out, and uh, he introduces his guests. The most dominant faction in the WWE, making their inaugural debut on Ms. TV, The Judgment Day. Judgment Day music comes on, everything, and it's all misty and hazy, and you know, they, except we get a change in music. What's up? It's our truth. He comes out in what I noted was ring gear. You know, I was like, all right, so something's happening here. And, uh, you know, Miz is just going through the whole thing, inquiring about, uh, you know, his role in the judgment day. And really truth is ultimately, you know, he's got many roles, but it, it seems like the main one is just to make judgment day likable. This is when JD McDonuts and Dom interrupt, uh, they they have you know comical shouting matches and and disagreements in the ring like this is always pure comedy but ultimately what we get here is a uh, 
a Judgment Day versus a reunited Awesome Truth, which is also Judgment Day, wink, wink, you know, representing the Judgment Day since JD lost the, the Loser Leaves Judgment Day. And then, you know, our truth represents Judgment Day, wink, wink. And, uh, you know, Dirty Dom's going to take the lead. But uh, we do get the Awesome Truth versus JD and Dom Mysterio. Man, so our our truth. I I don't know what he has ever done wrong in WWE. From what I've seen from him, he's hilarious in everything that he's done. The I don't know how old the guy is, right? I want to say he's pushing fifty, if not past fifty. But the dude's jacked. He can still go, and it's kind of crazy uh, for how long he has been doing it. The crowd, Bill knows his little things you know Miz called him out for talking to imaginary people or whatever and the crowd's like Jimmy like little Jimmy that was before I was even really watching our truth so the fact that people were there and they remembered it that's that's wild this is a cute little segment Dom booed out the fucking building I love them referencing that JD McDonough's ain't even part of Judgment Day no more you know he our truth is like, hold on, hold on. No, I don't even know why we're talking to JD here. Like, he's not even a part of this shit. But he's still delusional, ends up tagging with the Miz. It was just a quick little match. Uh, there was some cute spots where, you know, our truth is trying to be on the same team as Dom and JD. I believe at one point he tries to tag in Dom and they're like, no. And Miz is like, what the hell are you doing? Um, but it ends up being, I think JD McDonuts is holding the Miz, and Truth is like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, Miz. And he starts to wind up the most cartoon 90s punch where he's just whoop, 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 swinging his arm to power it up. And by the time he finally throws this punch, Miz moves out the way. He ends up hitting JD McDonuts. And then he's like, what the hell? And then JD McDonuts eats the skull crushing finale, and Miz wins the match with the one, two, three. I mean, I absolutely love that they won this. And this just kind of moves everything along. You know, this, this, this R Truth Judgment Day story is easily one of my favorite going on right now. Like you said, R Truth can really do no wrong. And this also moves along the Miz being a face thing. And like, Again, uh, this episode was full of shit that I felt like moved along plots really well, was fun, and just good, wholesome content. And this was a perfect example of it. 100%. And I hope we see Miz and Judgment Day. Maybe they find another friend or something like that. So we get some type of multi-man matches just so we get something a little different. You know, I'd love to see Miz have another Miz TV with the actual Judgment Day and then stir up some of the drama that's already going on with the power struggle between Mommy and DP, as they call him. You can't call him that. Oh, my God. <laughs> they most certainly can. And they most certainly are going to as uh, as our truth you know, the, the, the AV technician of the clubhouse. Uh, likes to affectionately refer to him. We do get another little segment after this. Just a really quick one of Chelsea Green and Piper Niving basically crashing the party of the party girls, their celebration. 
And, uh, you know, Chelsea saying that she's going to demand a rematch. She's going to completely bypass Adam Pierce and go to Nick Aldis. And uh, the party girls are all for it, man. They'll gladly have a rematch. I, I, I think these girls will have the belts for a little bit. Um, I just hope that they can, like, actually provide decent tag teams for them, not like what we saw later on in the show. I think we should see more of the women's tag team division build up as we get into these SmackDown episodes as well, because they've, they kind of formed part of the raw, like they kind of established it a bit more because we got four teams that were present on this episode. We had the party girls, we had Chelsea and pipe, we had Shayna and what's her face, Zoe Stark. And we had Natty and shiniest wizard. So like yeah, but especially one of those teams, I'm really like not into. I'm not into either. But the the fact that they showed them and showed that they existed, they established that this is the women's tag division on Raw, and I'm sure we're gonna see that similarly on SmackDown. Yeah. Do I do I need to say it? Zaylee coming back? What do you mean? Where the witches at? Finally, they will. I think they will make a spooky appearance. Yeah, but like, I just I I want them in on this picture, and that's the other thing too. Is like the technically these girls can appear on both brands, so you know we're we're gonna get. I actually wouldn't hate them showing up on SmackDown and we get like a uh, a Michin Zelina Vega versus them match. I think that could be pretty fun. Obviously, we're going to get Kabuki Warriors in on the picture here. Like there there's some decent opportunities, but yeah, definitely need the witches involved. Yeah, I feel like SmackDown's women's tag division is like 10 times better, but I just feel like the tag belts have just been oversaturated on Raw and we've seen all those women just over and over and over and over and over again. I don't feel like, especially with, with the witches and you know people like that, we've not necessarily seen it over and over and over again on SmackDown as we have on Raw, in my opinion. Who knows, man? Maybe we're even going to get uh, Fallon Henley in her new ranch hand. I, I'm not even familiar with that. I know they, they like split up, but I need to catch up on that shit. Yeah, so... Not, not, I mean, this ain't spoiling anything. It should already happen, but uh, Fallon Henley finally beat Tiffany Stratton, and the stipulation of the match was if Fallon Henley won, Tiffany Stratton becomes her stagehand. So, like, Tiff is her little bitch now that can do whatever Fallon tells her to. That's great. Yeah, so I, I could actually see, like, if they play the storyline right, like, it almost turning into, uh, I, I guess you could relate it to an Adam Cole MJF situation of just like an unlikely friendship born out of an unlikely circumstance that suddenly, you know, this is how it starts, but then these two end up BFFs in like a tag team or something. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. This could be the start of Tiffany's face turn. Except then we learn that Tiffany was the devil the whole time. The whole time. Boom. Gotcha, bitch. 
Uh, all right, so we we get a match that I was really looking forward to, and I saw like a lot of positive feedback around. I'll let you go through the match before I I give my my take on it. But we got Ivy Nile versus Rhea, the Pitbull Ivy Nile. Um, I thought this chick was from like I don't know like Yugo Slavia or some shit across the seas. No, nah, she's just from Knoxville. <laughs> you know, she's American. Like, I said, oh, all right, cool. Um, I felt at the start of the match, they were both moving very well. And I was being a little bit more critical of this match because this is honestly my first time seeing Ivy Nile in a singles match. So I was kind of being a little bit more critical. I did have ex- very high expectations of this match as well with the way they portrayed her as, you know, big muscle strong and muscle mommy herself in mommy. So, you know, they this was hyped by the WWE to kind of be that type of match. And it honestly, I wouldn't say as far as a big muscle match, but it didn't disappoint for what we had. I felt they moved very well early on, even with... The size difference that they had, I believe they mentioned that Ivy Nile was only like 5'2 or something like that. She didn't necessarily come across like a small girl, like Katana Chance comes across as a very small woman. Whereas Ivy Nile, she's smaller, but she didn't come across as a very small woman, right? I don't know how, but she just didn't. Um, She did kind of struggle on a capture suplex early on, but... She did, you know, pick up after that. I believe she hit a a nasty German on the outside, which was just gross. She it looked like she botched a spot when Rhea was throwing her over her shoulder, and I assume she was supposed to flip over and land on her feet, but she kind of stumbled and didn't land on her feet. They played it off and just made it look like, you know, she fell and Rhea beat on her. But I feel like she was supposed to land on her feet and do something else. There was a nasty headbutt spot by Ripley when she just wrapped her legs around this girl's waist and pulled her in while she was, you know, holding onto the turnbuckle and just smacked her in the head with her head. Disgusting. Um, Rhea hit that nasty little face buster move that she does when she, uh, you know, plants them completely down, holding in like a, I don't know what, what even to call it, like a reverse powerbomb position, basically. Um... But man, um, there was a big gut wrench power bomb by Ivy Nile after she got out of a riptide, which was pretty pretty fun. Uh, we did get some suplex counters, but man, we did get this. Uh, this is kind of scary, in my opinion. We had a second rope German, and she just—I believe this was. Um, Ivy hitting it on Rhea. Am I am I mistaken in that one? Because I believe this is where she kind of uh, gained a little bit of control. And she just came down. No arc. No air. Just, just waste and mat. And just slammed this chick down on the back of her neck. Um, you know, she does some yes kicks. Gets some forearms. But she ends up trying to go up top. Gets countered into a flying headbutt, catches a knee. Rhea ends up hitting the riptide for the one, two, three. This was really good. Yeah, it it was. I'll, I'll, Ivy wasn't bad. Okay, she far better than than Maxine, and she has a ton of potential. You know, she is a physical specimen. 
clearly ridiculously strong, especially for her size. But like, it was still to me like kind of insulting that Rhea has to be in the ring with half the people that she's been in the ring with, you know, like I just, it was one of these things where I felt like Rhea was head and shoulders above Ivy Nile. And like, like you said, there were kind of some questionable spots and usually the questionable spots like Rhea saved and made up for. Um, and, and I'm not, it's not the size thing to me. It's, it's just a combination of experience and, and just being a top tier talent in what you do. So yeah, I, Ivy did, did pretty well here, but there were a lot of not so great moments and there were a lot of, uh, spots that could have been a whole hell of a lot better. And that's why, like, I'm really hoping that this Naya win over Becky moves Rhea on to Naya because that's just going to be a much better match, going to be much better content. It's going to be more sustainable content than, than Rhea, you know, more or less just squashing, uh, no, no, no pun intended to Naya, uh, these, these other women. But like, if you really think about it, Rhea's not involved in anything right now. Like there's pretty much no plot lines for Rhea currently. Yeah, once uh, once Nia challenges her and we have that build into um, the Rumble, then obviously Rhea's going to have to fight a person or two in the meantime and, you know, get her match interrupted by Nia or whatever the hell happens. But, like, what is she going to do? I assume we're going to get call-ups or something at the Rumble because... Bria, just like kind of like Roman situation, she's kind of ran through that Monday night raw roster on the women's side. Nobody's really a challenge or a worthy challenger to her at this time, other than Nia and Becky. And those look like the Rumble and Mania matches. So, unless we get somebody called up, I don't know what the hell we're going to do from Rumble to Mania. Yeah. Like you said, she's literally run through everybody and it, you know. I appreciate that she's still showing up and like wrestling these girls because otherwise it would be a Roman situation where she'd be mega part time. And like, you know, she's still having title defenses, even though I don't even know if this was this a title match because the Maxine one wasn't a title match. I don't I don't know. Half the time, I don't even know if there's fucking title matches anymore. We all know how I feel about that shit. But um, like she she could end up being part-time and have like five defenses a year at this point because of the fact that she's literally run through everyone. So yeah, we need to get her in on this Nia situation. Then we need to get the Becky situation involved. And then hopefully we, we get a Jade situation involved like that. Those three could carry her through a significant part of the year with, with content. But we're, we're getting into some scary hours here with Rhea where there's just not many options left. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. And I believe the match graphic stated that this was actually a championship match. So at least they were, you know, making it a real match and not just some crap that we don't care about. Boy, oh boy. Um, Yeah. Uh, All right. So let's let's get to, you know. I, I wasn't thrilled about this match. I mean, I guess we could be thrilled about the fact that we had Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark teaming together. 
But then we had Natalia and Tegan Knox, who I like the Chinese wizard. Don't really, not really into Natalia at this point. But yeah, what, what do we have here? Oh, I didn't write much about this crap right here. Uh, if okay, if you're a tag team, let's be a tag team. All right, can we can we have like combo music? Can we get a combo Titantron? Can we get something that shows y'all are friends? Can y'all wear combo shit? Anybody? Because neither one of these teams did either one of those things. And I'm like Natty and Tegan. Y'all both are wearing pink. Can you at least coordinate on the shade? Like I don't, th- I don't think I'm asking for too much. Like I feel like y'all are putting in zero effort in being real tag teams and making me actually believe like you guys are challengers. We knew what the, exactly what the hell is going on as soon as we saw Shayna versus a Natty match. I was like, Ain't no way Natty went in shit. You know, get the hell off my screen with that. Young things that I caught in this match, Tegan hit some flipping senton, some shit that Becky hit earlier. Uh, move kind of wild to me. Just do a front flip off the top rope and sit on somebody's chest. Kind of wild. Um, there was at one point Baylor was in there with Tegan and she fucking kicked her head off. It was kind of gross. But honestly, this match felt sloppy to me. It felt sloppier than the Rhea Nile Nile match uh, that we saw earlier in the evening. But. I did enjoy the ending. Looks like they're trying a new combo finisher where Baszler hits a German. That person rolls, stands back up, and gets picked right up into the Z360 by Zoe Stark. I guess if they're a little bit more fluid with it, maybe if they hit it a little bit faster, it'll look better. Right now, it looks like they just hit two separate moves, but I feel like they want it to be together and flow i honestly i don't know if they'll keep it i feel like they could probably refine that they could just have baszler helping flip the chick while or then they could both near in the face i don't know i feel like it took me one second to think of something that was more of a combo and better but i guess we'll see yeah, I I wasn't I wasn't into this match. It was really short too, uh, which I was thankful for. Um, this was the the worst match of the night for me. Um, I just keep waiting for the you know I don't know about you. I I really just keep waiting for Natalia to to turn on Tegan because this whole thing it just has always felt weird to me and never felt right and always has felt like there's some sort of ulterior motive with with natalia here yeah i feel like she will eventually turn on her they're just saving that time for when you know they need like just a, a middle card women's feud right now they got you know this whole tag division thing that they can use but I'm sure eventually they'll want to have a nice little Natty Tegan in their pocket. Yeah, and uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath for that. But a match that I was holding my breath for, I was very excited for, is we have our main event. We have Seth freaking Rollins putting the World Heavyweight Championship title on the line against the Scottish warrior, Drew McIntyre. This was a pretty fucking good match, dude. Yeah, uh, match of the night, right? And they, this is what I expect 
for any time we have a match that we're hype about, this is what I expect, especially with two wrestlers of this caliber. There wasn't any resting or chin locks or really taking it slow. You know, there are moments where they, you know, lay down when they took a big hit or something to emphasize the impact of the blow that they suffered, but nothing that unnecessarily prolonged or dragged the match out like they do in, I don't want to, you know, put people on the spot, but like an LA mat, LA night match, for example, wouldn't necessarily have as much action as this match did. But it quickly ended up outside. Drew was trying to hit his reverse Alabama slam on the stairs. Seth didn't want him to do it. Ends up fighting out. Tries to hit a dive. Drew stops him. Hits a belly to belly on the outside. It's pretty nasty. Drew tries to hit that uh, white noise off the second rope. He can't get it. Tries to hit... Um, Oh my goodness, he turns it into a power bomb, but he can't get that. And then ends up reversing, you know, gets reversing that into a hurricanrana was crazy. Drew hits his dumb spear into the post thing that I'm always complaining about that really had no play. It just it just happened. Uh but Seth was pretty on. He hit a fat ass DDT into a giant frog splash. My spot of the night was when it looked like Seth was going to hit his little superplex into the Falcon Arrow combo. He sprints up to the top rope. He hits the big superplex, and Drew counters it and hits the Falcon Arrow on Seth. Love that. Love the shit out of that. Bunch of chop-offs. They were both chopping the shit out of each other, but Drew was just the dominating force. He tried the countdown kick, and it didn't work either time. You know, when he counted down, it didn't work. And when he got back, you know, in the ring without counting down, that didn't work either. You know, we had a couple pedigrees. We had a pedigree on the friggin' announce table, which there was no give to that announce table. His head just bounced right off of it, as I believe Michael Cole said. So, you know, look looked pretty cool. But probably the key to this match was we had Judgment Day and DP himself. It was mainly just was it Dirty Dom and Damien Priest came out together with the briefcase. Looks like they're gonna cash in. Um, I believe Dirty Dom runs around with the ref, distracts him, and Priest hits Seth with the briefcase. And then now Dirty Dom, the ref, and Priest are talking, and you can see Drew in the background not having any of it. And out of nowhere, he hits the Claymore on DP, take him out, take the briefcase out. Death is down. Drew's like, oh, shit, I can uh, get back in there and, you know, win this match. He hits a belly to belly to Dom. So now Judgment Day's down. He gets back in the ring, goes to hit the, the Claymore. He gets it. He actually hits the Claymore and you think that he wins it, but he pins him too hard and Seth's foot is on the rope. Drew's losing it. He's clearing off the announce table. This is where we got that pedigree. You know, he ends up getting dragged back into the ring. Seth hits his stomp to retain for the one, two, three. And Drew gets slided again. Dude, this whole like uh, the the DP, um, 
Damien Priest cashing in might be turning into the one of the most memeiest things in wrestling in a long time. Yeah. It's just the dude can't cash in. You you get you get Claymore with the briefcase, you get Sami Zayn coming out and stealing the briefcase, you you get uh uh Randy Orton showing up and uh spoiling your efforts. Like the dude just can't fucking cash in. I can't remember the last time it's been so hard for somebody to just cash in. And it makes me feel like he's never gonna cash in. He's just gonna get blue balls. Like when he finally decides to cash in, Rhea's gonna be like Actually, I took the the contract out when we switched briefcases, so I felt I'd hold it on for real Judgment Day safekeeping. J- DP, you're out, and then they turn on him. Yeah, I at this point, like, and he did say in, in some segment, he's like, "Well, you know, I've got until July to cash this in." So I was like, "Okay, well, thank you for letting me know how how long you can hang on to this because I was starting to get worried that that could be a possibility." So we we got a couple months, you know, we we got another six months to go, so he should be able to cash it in in theory. But uh, more and more, I'm feeling like this is going to be a failed cash in. Yeah, I agree, and I'm glad that they actually mentioned like. I have until June. Like, I, you know, it does expire, right? Yeah, it's very good to know because we're starting to head down that road. I I think the most fun cash-in would be, like you said, is if CM Punk beats Seth, takes the belt off Seth, and then Priest cashes in and takes it off Punk. I feel like that would be pretty fun. Um, but that's really the only like context I can see this working at this point. Yeah, other than uh, I don't I don't know how Priest is getting the belt with all that we have going on. I don't know how Priest is getting that belt. Yeah, I it's just with with Punk coming back, with Orton coming back, like uh there there's just so many top tier dudes. Uh, you know, Sheamus should be coming back soon. Who knows if Big E's ever really going to be coming back? Like there's just so many other people to get involved in things that it just seems like he's starting to fall down the ladder a little bit. You've got some big up and comers like Big Bronson Reed that I think should be in title pictures. Gunther's going to be moving up a belt. Like things ain't looking good for DP, man. Not at all. Not until he calls uh, for some street justice or somebody like that. Maybe, maybe that's how it'll it'll come down. But I I don't know. Overall, I had a lot of fun this episode. This this didn't feel like a three hour episode. It moved pretty quickly. Um, it, it was you know no no water no bread just me just me. <laughs> so uh, I I enjoyed it. How'd you feel about this one as a whole? I I loved it. Um, it's just tiny things. I loved the start of the episode when they had Cole and Barrett just standing in the ring, and they kind of just announced the entire card at the start of the show. I wish they would do that more, especially like for the people who are actually there, because you don't get to hear the announcers, you don't get to see those commercials. So honestly, like if you didn't know what was going on, you'd really wouldn't know until it happened. So it's nice knowing like, oh shit, like 
Cody or whoever, you know, that's going to be my main event. I can't wait for that. And then, you know, that's actually my main event because, you know, I recently went to like an AEW show and I had no clue uh, the entire card or, you know, I looked it up, but like I didn't remember the order or who the main event was. So I was like, the people I was with were like, is this, is this the last match? And I'm like, honestly, I don't, I, I don't think so. I think there's <laughs> another one, you know? Oh yeah. You did go to that recently. How was it? It was actually really long. They did a, um, a ring of honor taping afterwards. So like, it felt like they did like two or three episodes. I don't know how long ring of honor is. Right. But there was literally like, there were more matches before and after the show than during the show to put it in perspective. Right. And there was like a good amount of matches. I haven't kept up with, uh, with like TV, AEW, because if you keep up with both of them, it's so much fucking wrestling to watch. And like, I got shit to do. I got dinner to cook. I got, I, I got, I got weights that need to be lifted in the gym. You know, I, I can't, I can't watch all this shit. Never mind. You know, there are people out there who watch all this, all the New Japan, all the TNA. Or, you know, oh, oh my God, there's so much fucking shit. But, um, what, what was like, uh, what was the main event? I honestly, I can't even remember what the main event was, to be real with you. I know that it opened with um, Claudio Castagnoli versus um, Brian Danielson in a Continental Classic. Uh, that sounds like a banger. It it actually was like a fucking banger, and they went 20 minutes. That was because of the tournament match, so they went 20 minutes, and it was a draw. But I guess because it's like a round rounded point system, uh, Danielson ended up winning and beating Claudia by one point because you know with the draw they each got one point, and Claudia like needed you know more multiple points or some shit. I don't know, but it could only have been a draw for them. Uh, to come out with that shit, right? All right. What was uh, what was the date that you went? Twelve twenty three. I'm trying to find. I had All right. I got collision well. results here. Yeah, so. collision. Yeah, we had the Brian Danielson Claudio match. We had uh, acclaimed and Daddy Ass versus Top Flight and Action Andretti. We had Brian Cage versus Keith Lee. That was probably pretty fucking fun. That's a meat match and a half. So yeah, the crowd was actually chanting meat. the The best thing about that was my uh, my family. We're big big Keith Lee fans, right? And the last time. We went to the Christmas show, or exactly around this time last year. Uh, Rick Ross was there, and that's when Swerve and Our Glory was still a tag team. And that is when Swerve turned on Keith Lee, was on that episode. He, he did the Swerve stomp on a cinder block on Keith Lee's chest, right? So that was how they broke up one year ago. And I was as we we're you know watching watching the show, and I was like, oh shit, you know, I was like he got he got fucked up last year. I was like, he's he's back, right? And the first thing he says, and he's out there, he's got a cinder block, and he's like, almost one year ago today, you know, a man who I won't name did did something to me with this, right? And I'm like, oh shit, like they're fucking calling back. I was like, that's like it's been 
usually like I don't people were complaining about them not following up with that storyline all year because it literally happened a year ago. You know what I'm saying? They followed up with it even more at World's End when uh, when Swerve did it to to Dustin. Yeah, yeah, and then Dustin and Keith Lee were kind of like friends. Uh, you also had Brody King versus Daniel Garcia. That was pretty you good. You had Sky Blue and Julia Hart versus the returning Thunder Rosa and Abaddon. Crowd was real hyped for that one. Uh, nice entrance for Thunder Rosa. I believe she came out in, uh, I want to say, like a like the lowrider from Selena or something like that. Like something like super iconic that I'm not necessarily familiar with, but I know a lot of people. Eddie Guerrero shit. Yeah, yeah, some shit like that. I mean, the crowd's always always in the sky blue too. So there's there's that for obvious reasons. Um, and then, yeah, I guess your main event was Andrade versus Eddie Kingston, which that was probably a fucking really fun match. Yeah, yeah, Eddie, Eddie's great. Um, they beat the fucking shit out of each other. Yeah, as I would expect. Um, I, you know, they, they're they're both kind of mental, but yeah, it sounds like we're getting Andrade back in WWE at least. So, you know, I I don't know, might be some interesting things to go over there. And we got to see some fun Ring of Bond, like uh, El Ijo de Vikingo. And oh, Commander. you saw him? Yeah, yeah. He was out there doing, he was out there with Gringo Loco, who's like a chunky white guy, but he's one of the better quote unquote bases, if you, you know, Lucha Libre shit. So he was out there doing some pretty crazy shit. Like, it's one thing when I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I like that shit, right? It's another thing when like the people around me who, aren't necessarily as big of a fan as I am, if even a fan, and they're like, oh, damn. So, like, you know, some of the shit was pretty fucking good. Oh, and then we had um, fucking Willie Mack against Kyle Fletcher. That was, like, the real main event of Ring of Honor for, like, the TV title. That match was actually fucking crazy good. That sounds like it would be. My my only thing with the Vikingo stuff is like some of his moves, like the setup can be weird and like they just take so long to get into because it's like somebody needs to be in the perfect spot, like he needs to be in the perfect spot and he needs like a, a super long runway to be able to get enough of a running start to get the airtime that he needs. Like it's just, it's like a lot of work it's like 15, 20 seconds of work for a one second move. You know what I mean? And to me, that sometimes really like murders momentum in matches. I I agree with you. And honestly, it looks different in person. I don't, I don't know if it's because it's just happening live, but like watching it on TV, you can clearly see the whole picture and what's going on when that shit happens in person. It, it almost feels like it's out of nowhere. So I, and maybe it's because, you know, I had a couple brewskis, right? And my, uh, you know, sl- slowed down a little bit. But it, it definitely didn't come across that way in person as it does. Like, you know, we can reference back the uh, the Kenny Omega match. And when he was really trying to show out and actually hit his spots, it really, you know, especially like that front flip into the Hurricane Rana. It's like, 
you really got to set up, gain your balance for that kind of shit. And it didn't really look like that in this one. Like we, we were, we give shit for people when they got to stand up and hold each other and stare at each other before they both hit that big Spanish fly or whatever. And they got to hold each other's hips and hit a little suavemente before they flip together. I didn't see a lot of that live, but it was only like a, a 10, 15 minute match in a tag team. So he wasn't necessarily wrestling, you know, for 10 to 12 minutes, maybe like three to five. Yeah, that probably helps a lot um, in, in terms of the pacing. But all right, dog, take us home. Well, it's a new year and we thank you. For new allowing day? Us. New day, day one, new <laughs> day one-ish, day one, new yeet. Will be whatever new T-shirt they come out with with this new faction, the blurred yeet. <laughs> it was blurred out on the previous episode. I did like how they did that. But just like the yeet, we are back and we will not leave you again. We will catch you next time for a tad bit of NXT action and some New Year SmackDown action. So until then, y'all stay safe and enjoy the day. Deuces, deuces. Peace.